the Dog on the Pitch podcast, where we look at the funny side of football. I'm Guy Fagan, and in each show, I'm joined by a special guest, and we talk about their footballing experiences, anecdotes, and escapades. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you're not missing out. Again, be sure to subscribe to the show. Today, I'm joined by comedian and Liverpool FC fan, Dean Aldridge, and we're going to be talking Liverpool FC, and also about his comedy career so far. So welcome to the show, Dean. How's it going, mate? All good. Thank you for having me on, Guy. I appreciate it, mate. Yeah, it's a pleasure, mate. It's a pleasure. Um, so how's it been going in lockdown? Are you kind of getting some gigs in the diary now? We're coming out. Slowly, slowly coming back. Yeah, I've got a couple booked in. Um, I've actually enjoyed lockdown, to be honest with you, mate. I've... Yeah. It's been a total restructure in our house where I'm now the one that's at home with the kids. So I'm spending more time with my kids and I'm actually enjoying that, mate, to be honest with you. So. Great stuff. Great stuff. Some time with the family. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a good sort of opportunity, isn't it, just to kind of press the refresh button? And, yeah, exactly that. And just, yeah. yeah, weigh up your options, guys. I think it was a good, um, good time for my wife to go back to work and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, man. Great. Black. Great. All right, well, I think it's time we address the elephants in the room. So okay. We've had a lot in the news this week about the European Super League. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you feel as strongly as I do on it. Um, but but what do you think it means now for, for football and, and for Liverpool FC? You know, where do we go from here? I mean, obviously, the news is out now that the English teams have backed out of it. I'm happy with that. Um, I think the whole idea of it was just about filling more pockets of billionaires who've already got the money where they want it. Um, it was never going to work, guy. In my eyes, you know what I mean. It's, it's not. It's not what football wants. It's not what anyone wants except for the twelve people who structured it. Um, but I'm just glad. I'm just glad now that my team's backed out of it and said we've made a mistake. But saying that, I still feel like there's punishment that, that we need to serve for it. I know that won't be fair on the fans, the players and the staff, but yeah. unfortunately our chairman represents us as a club and there is a punishment to pay for it, mate. It was a stupid idea and whether that means he needs to step down or there's a point deduction or a ban from Europe, I'm, I'll take it on the chin, mate. I'm not, as long as English football stays in the structure it is, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think what's frustrating, obviously, I'm a Tranmere fan, so of course I've got a vested interest. But um, they haven't even thought about the fans. You know, I think what's Not worse is, you know, that I think they know the fans don't want this. Um, you know, or, or they're stupid, and they're not stupid. Um, so they know the fans don't want it, and they're yeah. still gone ahead and and. Trying to That's it. Problems. Like there, there was no communication. There was nothing, and this is from the manager downwards. There was no communication with managers, players, fans. Nobody wanted it, but no one was asking if we wanted it either. So mm. it's um, it, it was a, it's been silly on his part. But for FSG, I can only discuss my own club. So FSG, our owners, there's only one way they can go now. Mate, they need to find a buyer and just move on because they won't be welcome back at Anfield. No, yeah. And I think you know, I think it's an opportunity to have a wider discussion. I know you talked about the pyramid, um, but as we know, you know, I, I don't know about yourself, but kind of there's not many people who can afford to go to a game, 
you know, certainly in the Premier League. Um, I think that's a key. Yeah. I think that's a key thing. Like, obviously, prices of tickets. We've won this battle. Why aren't we doing it for things like that? For ticket prices and mm. you know, own every fan base should own fifty-one percent of their clubs. With the German way, so none of this can happen. Yeah, I've read. I've read that from from so many people who agree with me. Um, but there's, there's so much more that if football fans got together the way we did about this. We'd have the game as we want it. Absolutely. You know, I think it's an opportunity to for the, the football fans to, to get together. And, you know, it's it's not about, you know, football can only be the winner. Um, you know, be it your Premier League clubs. And, and, you know, I think definitely the Premiership fans that, that have been involved with this, you know, they've got a common, common aim now, haven't they? And, yeah. I think definitely there's got to be a lot of sort of uh, communication behind the scenes, you know, with the likes of the Chelsea and the Arsenal and definitely and fans. But uh, also, have it. We need a structure in place where you you don't get the collapse of smaller clubs. I believe who was it? Who was it? one is it Berry that went or someone like that? Someone yeah. lost the club completely, and it's like that shouldn't be happening in the English game. There's enough money in the English game where club should be safe no matter what and if you're in the football league your club should be safe and then you look at like the Scottish league alright it gets the piss taken out of it because it's not the highest standard but if Celtic wins something their prize money is dished out between smaller clubs as well do you know what I mean so you've got that kind of thing right where prize funds and stuff like that it's spread out across the board and you're not just getting one team getting 190 million and then there's Fans who don't even know if their club's going to be there next week. Yeah, yeah, you know, and definitely, definitely with the pandemic as well. There's I yeah. know, a lot of clubs. I think it's um, Colchester. Um, they, I think they're, they're definite risk of administration, and uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think it needs to filter down. You know, we don't want to lose clubs. Uh, there needs to be that kind of grassroots and. and you know, like we talked, I think just off camera just before, we talked about uh, Shamal George at Liverpool, who yeah. he was on loan at Tramier. And, you know, there needs to be that opportunity for players to go out so they're not just being stockpiled and, and you know, just playing sort of youth football or in the 23s football, that they're actually experiencing men's football. Um, as, we talk, as we touched on with Shamal George, Shamal George went on loan to Tramier for one or two months. The reason behind that, Sammy just couldn't afford his wages. Okay, he's yeah. a young lad, young lad who's not even breaking into first team football, and he was on 13 to 15 grand a week. And you're thinking, why? What's he actually doing? He's not, he's not doing nothing at our club yet. But your club can't afford to loan him for more than two months. These lads aren't progressing. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, if you're investing that sort of money in a player, you know, you, you're paying them so many grand a week. Yeah. You want them to be contributing and and getting an opportunity to play. Um, and not only that, it benefits Liverpool loaning players like Shamal out to smaller clubs. I know it's a loan where all right, you feel like you're getting a service, but we're getting a service as well. If anything, if his wages are 13 grand a week, match that and put that into the club's back pocket because they're helping develop your player. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's what I mean. It should be filtering down. Should be for so there we go. So um let's get on to um hopefully a happier subject. Yeah. Um, 
your comedy career so far. So anybody who's not familiar with you, Dean, um, yeah. you what you're about in terms of comedy and um, what, what sort of things you get involved in? Um, yeah, my style of comedy, I, I like to laugh at my own misfortunes, my own family life, you know, things people can sort of relate to and say, fuck's sake, I've done that as well, do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah I, I've, I've only been going, I think I've been doing it two years before lockdown comes, so I'm not classing the last year as a, as a successful year, obviously, because we've had nothing on, but I was, I was just starting to break into, like, I was opening for Jack Ryan, and I done twenty five. I done twenty five minutes for him, and I was thinking, right, I've st- I've got my foot in the door yet. And just as I was getting to that point, it was shot down. So I've just got to recharge my batteries and go again. But since the lockdown, I've had a chance to get a lot of materials on, and you know, really work on myself and figure myself out. And I don't get me wrong, I enjoy the MC inside of things as well. I love hosting nights and throwing nights on and stuff like that. I love all that kind of thing because it's just like being in front of an audience. Wow. And um, a bit of a dog in the background there. <laughs> um, so I know you've been um, doing some chat show. Uh, you've been a yeah. chat host, haven't you? Yeah, so, yeah, of course. So the idea was I was going to start my own podcast. I was going to get a variety of people on. And then I started doing a little bit of acting as well with a um, company called Synergy Media. Okay. Um, uh, and the producer of that said to him, well, instead of doing a podcast, he had an idea of having a show, like a Jonathan Ross kind of thing. So we said, well, why don't we do that instead? So I went, okay, we gave it a go. And it's kicked on from there. Friday night with Dean Aldridge. I can't believe I've got my own show. Do you know what I mean? It's, we've had some cracking guests on. It's doing well. It's getting a lot of views. And yeah, it's, it's a good start. It's a good platform. And it raises the profile of Trinity, which I'm now... I'm, I, I'm a part of the ownership of Trinity now as well, which is a good thing that's come of it. But I'd like to try and variety. Each week we have a musical guest on, like a musician. Try and keep it to like people who aren't actually signed or heard of yet that should have been. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously I've got like actors who come on, comedians. I've got a magician on this week. I try and just keep it all like varied, do you know what I mean? Just try and mix it up and keep it interesting because... As I say, there's people out there who should have been heard of who just haven't had a platform yet. That's all I'm trying to do, just give someone a platform to show off the skills. You talked about the MCing, you do a lot of that yeah. as well. Um, have you got any sort of MCing lined up? Yeah, so I've got my own, um, own comedy night, which is at Connect Studios in Seaforth. And I had that a couple of years ago. Yeah. We, gave it, we gave it a couple of trial nights, it went well. And then the owner of Connect, got back in touch with me after the um, lockdown was like it was announced we were coming out of it and we've agreed four dates coming up and then as long as they go all right that'll continue for every two weeks we'll have a show on so i love all that i love the hosting and thinking on the spots and just talking to people do you know what i mean that's me yeah you do a lot of the uh, you know we like up in liverpool you got the likes of paul smith haven't you yeah yeah water club and do you do a lot of the crowd work and uh, is that something you do a lot of as well yeah i feel like i'm, a, I'm i don't mean to blow smoke up my own ass but i feel like i'm natural to that i feel like that's if i could choose a part of comedy where i know i'm successful it's doing that um obviously i'm not as big as paul smith yet but if i can get half half as close as to what he is yeah you know what i mean 
Wow. I mean, I guess you've been going two years, haven't you? And, and like you say, yeah. a year of that, you've been in lockdown. So yeah. you know, you're doing well, aren't you? You're doing well. Well, I've been on I've been on stages since I was nine. I was I was an actor since I was nine. And then, as I say, I just I went into comedy when I got a bit fed up of acting, even though I varied back into it a little bit now. I got into comedy just to try something new. And it's gone well. It's gone all right. I'm happy where I'm at at the minute. Well, obviously, we all just want to get to the next level then, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Hey, if people want to sort of find out about the show that you, you host, yes. what's that show called, Dean? So it's Friday Night with Dean Aldridge. If you type that in on YouTube, it'll come up. There's a, I think there's four episodes out already, four or five, something like that. Um, then you've got Friday Night with Dean on across all social medias. And then, yeah, you can find it across anywhere, mate. If you just type in Friday Night with Dean Aldridge, it'll come up somewhere. Great stuff. And we're going to get on to business now. Um, yeah. So, of course, Dean, you are, a pr- you are a proud Liverpool FC fan. Yeah, I am, yeah. So, how did it all start off? What's your earliest memory supporting Liverpool? My earliest memory, I was seven years old. And my dad come home and told me he was taking me to my first football match. It was the Derby at Goodison Park. Uh, my dad, being a blue, thought he was going to try and swing me that way. Um, the game itself was the most boring game I've ever been to. And I remember it for one thing. It was the, it was the Derby where Sander Westerveld kicked the ball at the back of Franny Jefferson's back. And it went back into the goal, but the referee blew the full-time whistle. Oh yeah, and was, oh, yes. everyone went nuts, and I was just stood there going, "Does it count or not?" <laughs> we finished nil nil the game. The goal was disallowed, and even though it was a nil nil, I think Liverpool feel like they won that day. You know what I mean? I was just say I was only seven. I took in the odd bit. Michael Owen was playing, Fowler played a couple of little things that I took from the game, but I was still only a kid. But I knew that I was sort of swaying towards Liverpool anyway because my older brother and my uncle were Reds and. I saw how much they love going to like Anfield and stuff like that. My uncle used to be an ice cream van um, driver, fella, ice cream man. <laughs> and he'd done his round outside the game and him and my brother would shoot in, watch the match and leave five minutes before the end to get back to the ice cream van to sell all the ice creams at the end. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so part of the business. And I'm sure there was a lot of um, a lot of ice creams to be sold, wasn't there? Not half, yeah. <laughs> I think he was fuming one day because one day they left early and it was the game where um, Liverpool and Newcastle played out to 4-3. Oh, yeah. And Col- I think Collymore won it at the end, but they'd already got off. Oh, no. What a game to leave, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that. That was, uh, I think that was when Newcastle were kind of, they were... were like 10 points ahead or whatever, weren't they? And that yeah, was... they were sort of... It, it was them and United going for it, weren't it? And uh, Kevin Keegan... I always remember Keegan falling over the side of the board. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was just done, wasn't he? Yeah. Okay. Um, so what's been your... And, and I'm sure there's been lots. Yeah. You know, and and I, I, I can't... Um, I can't really sort of empathise with you being a Tramia fan. But um, what's... What's been your biggest high supporting Liverpool? Uh, I mean, I've 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 watched Liverpool win everything in my in my lifetime, which is a blessing. Do you know what I mean? Because there's not a lot of clubs out there that 
win a trophy, never mind everything there is to win in the game. So I've been blessed that side of things that I follow a great club and we are successful. Obviously, Istanbul stands out. I remember watching that final in the living room with my mum. Yeah. Uh, it was a, that was one of the, the emotions. I, I mean, I was only in like year nine at the time. I'm watching that, watching your team getting battered at half-time, 3-0. And I'm watching them come back and it's just, just, you can't explain that, do you know what I mean? I don't think anyone that's not a Red can explain that feeling. It was, I was just insane that, that night, that whole night was just the best feeling ever. Obviously, we've won it since as well and we've won the league and winning the league, it was good. But because of no fans being allowed in the grounds and it just took the sting out of it a little bit, do you know what I mean? So I'm hoping we get to do that again in the future. But, yeah, it'll have to be Istanbul. It's got to be. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Liverpool fan, but I can definitely understand. Uh, I mean, the emotion on that night, um, and just going from, you, you must have been just absolute. Uh, you know, the lowest of the low. Uh, yeah. You know, Forty-five minutes and penalties later, uh, your champions are. I remember getting a text off my dad at half time and saying, My dad's a blue. And he was working away at the time. And um, I think my mum must have phoned him or messaged him and said, He's heartbroken here. I was in my room. I was fucking crying my eyes out, three nils down. I remember getting a text off my dad saying, um, They're going to do something here. And he's a blue. Do you know what I mean? He had no right to say it. I think he was just trying to make me feel better. But 15 minutes after half time, it was a different game. And I was like, Wow, this is my club. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'd never experienced anything like that before. Uh, and then the following year, was the following year? Yeah, the following year we had it again with West Ham in the FA Cup final. And yeah. we just went, Gerard scored the screaming at the end. And you just like, it was just, and it just felt constant after that. We just had all these comebacks and brilliant, mate. Great stuff. Well, of course, Cranmere have got their Istanbul, which was um, the game against uh, Southampton. Um, I think our John was the uh, manager at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. Um, that was the, oh my word, Barlow, they've got a fourth game. Um, <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, not, not quite not quite the same as winning the, uh, the European Cup. <laughs> Try not... telling John that. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know, passionate guy. No, so is he a relation? Yeah, he's a, I think, second cousin or cousin to me, dad, he is, yeah. Okay, I can see a little bit of a family resemblance. I think the, the goatee helps, the beard helps, definitely. Ah, nice one. Yeah, I'm sure you'd be pleased with that. He's, uh, listen, we're related to him, as I say, second cousin, something like that, but he's not someone that you see, do you know what I mean? He's he's out living his good life, mate, fair play to him. Yeah, no, I don't blame him, I don't blame him. You know, he did, and I think kind of in hindsight now, um, what he did at Tramia, um, it kind of is stands in a really good stead because he kept us up. You know, we definitely punched above our weight. Yeah, a few seasons with him in charge, and uh, you know, kept us in the, the championship um, as it is now. And we had all of those cup runs, um, and I think he he just wasn't enjoying it and the, the whole sort of stress of it. And, and yeah, you know, he needed to get out. And, and fair play to him, you know. 
Um, I know he kind of does a lot for Liverpool now, doesn't he? Does it? Yeah, he's, he's found his place with commentary and stuff like that, hasn't he? So it suits him down to his tea because, as you said, there, he's passionate. He can't hold it in when Liverpool score, can he? He loves it. Nah, nah, nah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of respect for Aldo. Uh, all right, so we're going to go from the, the biggest high. Yeah. Lowest low. So can you tell us about your lowest low supporting Liverpool? Um, yeah, I mean, match-wise, obviously, we've had, we had an Arden at Stoke, stuff like that. The lowest point for me was the day we signed Paul Konczewski. Okay. The reason behind it, fair enough, for a club like West Ham or something like that, he was a great player, but it highlighted the bad parts that Liverpool were going through at that point. We nearly lost the club. The club was in so much debt and the previous owners were driving us down shit streets and Sam Paul and Chesky and I just went, Wow, that's the direction we're going, do you know what I mean? Like I left backs in. <laughs> and then we looked at the rest of the team. We had Jay Spear and no offence to Jay Spear. I know he plays for yourselves now, but he's he's not Liverpool. he shouldn't have been a Liverpool central midfielder for as long as he was. We had Voronin up front. We just we signed some Jovanovic. I'd never even heard of him. Joe Cole. Everyone we when we signed Joe Cole at that time, everyone's like, Oh no, this is it. We're in, we're gonna win the league and all that. Like, You're fucking taking the piss. We've got Paul Konchesky at left back and Joe Cole on the left wing. <laughs> I just can't I, at that point it was bad because we had Mascherano leaving and I think players were just fed up. It was such a bad patch for Liverpool and that was, the, that was my lowest time following the club. Strange enough, though, I still went to every game at the time and at home and away, we were there and we were still doing our bit and singing them on. But, yeah, it was dark, dark, they were the dark days. Obviously, as I say, we've had a couple of Ardens yeah. over the past well, six months of Stoke and United have turned, turned us over. City have. Them days happen, you know what I mean? It's, you, get, you get on with it, don't you? Yeah. So at the time, so obviously um, you're signing these players um, like Konchesky. Was that Hodgson in charge then, was it? Yeah, it was Roy Hodgson. Yeah, he never should have had the job, to be fair. I've, and I felt bad because he was in a job that he couldn't win. The owners weren't great. We'd yeah. have had all the stuff going on with like um, Rafa. Rafa had just gone. Yeah. Hodgson comes yeah. in and just a bad time for the club. We, we weren't going in any sort of direction. As I say, we nearly lost the club. I think it was like three hours before it was point of call. The Bank of Scotland or something was calling their money and we never had it. And then the new owners all of a sudden pulled this bid out of nowhere and saved the club. I say saved. They saw it as financial gain, really. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he wasn't really back, and it wasn't a good time behind the scenes as well. No. Um, but it's tough, isn't it? You know, I think obviously you got Klopp in now, um, and he's been a success. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of, and I guess sort of a lot of, I know Klopp obviously wasn't associated with the club, but I know certainly with Tramia, you know, we, we tend to do well when we've got someone with a bit of an affiliation with the club. Yeah, uh, Mickey Mellon sort of played for us before. Obviously, Aldridge. Uh, the turning point. The turning point before Klopp was actually Kenny Daglish. Yeah, because Daglish brought in Henderson. 
And yeah. even though at the time he went the best player, and I know there was a time he nearly left to play for Fulham, the player that Jordan Henderson is now, if we never had that in this team, it wouldn't matter who our manager is right now. Because Jordan Henderson, I don't know whether Liverpool fans would agree. That's this is just my opinion. But he's a workhorse and he's a leader and he's all these things on the pitch. He's so he's so valuable to our team. This is why we're not scoring goals and why our midfielders don't trust themselves to move forward now because they haven't got Henderson cleaning it up for them behind. I know people talk about Van Dijk doing that and Gomez, but Jordan Henderson plays such a big role towards our defence that it goes unseen and unheard sometimes. But when he's not in that team, Liverpool look after half the team that they are. The key player. And, and it sounds yeah. like, like you said, Mascherano, like at the time. Um, and you do have these kind of linchpins, don't you? Yeah. Unfortunately, that one for Tramia. I mean, we've got, of course, James Vaughan, but Jay Spearing, you <laughs> were no question. Um, but yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, probably, probably more a uh, a sort of championship level player, sort of throughout his career, rather than sort of playing for a top Premier League club, wasn't he? Really? Yeah. I mean, if he, yeah, he's you know he's he's dug out. I know he's been at a few clubs now, Blackpool and stuff like that, but. He's um he's took out the career for himself, which is fair enough. He weren't he weren't a bad player. He just weren't he weren't up for it. But I tell you the story about Jay Spearden, actually. I, I always find this amusing. He was playing in um, he was playing in central midfield in the derby one day, and it was against um Fellaini. Everton had Fellaini in midfield. Yeah. And I was sat at Anfield watching the game. And in the upper, it was the upper centenary at the time. It's now the Kenny Dagley stands. It's where all the posh people sit, you know what I mean? All the boss seats and all that. And they haven't really got a clue about the game, but they know they've got to go because they've got a bit of money. Yeah. And uh, I just remember this fella shouting like two rows back, Jay Spearing hasn't won a head at all game. He was getting fucking marked by Fellaini. I was like, you're fucking joking me. He hasn't, he hasn't won a head at all game. I was like, no shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no. Um... Yeah, all right. So, um, from the, the lowest low, yeah, onto the funny section now. So, um, can you tell us about your funniest ever Liverpool player? Funniest player, I think you see more of him now because he's on Sky. But Jamie Carragher is one of the funniest, I think, on and off the pitch. He was great. Um, I always remember when the Arsenal fans threw a pound coin at him, they oh. picked it up. Picked yeah. it up and threw it back. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just, just on air, though, isn't it? But he's, as I say, you see more of him now on the telly and that, and he's got great banter and stuff. But Jamie's one of them people as well. If you're out in the right places, you'll bump into him and he's a great guy. He's a, he's a nice guy to talk to, let on with. He'll always let you get a picture and that if you want to. And he, he just lives and breathes football. He'll always give you his opinion if you ask for it as well. But so, but I think he he summarises Liverpool like if you give us shit, we'll give you shit kinds of things. You know what I mean? He's Mister Liverpool, I think he's been called. He is, yeah, he is. That's where the song Team Carragher's came from because everyone just saw if you, everyone had the art of him at the time, Liverpool would have been ten more leagues up. I think. Yeah, I was listening to um, I think it was another one of the other football podcasts with um, uh, do you know Steve McNulty? I don't know. Like a lower league player, lower league uh, yeah. 
kind of defender. He, he's a scouser. He, I think he was at Liverpool Academy um, with, well, I'm trying to think now, but he, he was kind of, you know, 20 years ago. But he was saying about sort of in the lower league, if you go to a lower league team and if there's, um, if they've got a few scouse players, like, you know that they're going to stick together and they're yeah. going to, they're going to sort of, uh, you know, go through brick walls for each other and back each other up. Um, you know, and I think sort of Carragher, he kind of, uh, he's the embodiment of that really, isn't he? Yeah, he is, yeah. He's it. As I say, he lived and breathed Liverpool. Um, I always remember as well, he got injured during the game and Benitez refused to bring him off. And he, he got the ball... <laughs> And instead of playing the ball forward, he just fucking volleyed it at the side of the pitch. And he'd come off fuming. Like, and he was saying to like Rafa, you fucking dickhead, I told you to come to bring me off and all that. And it just he just didn't care, do you know what I mean? It was, that was great because he showed his passion. And as I say, he knew the game. Yeah, the big games for England when he was called upon. Uh, yeah. Can you think about uh, the current team and, and the funniest, funniest current player? You know what? Right. That, um, that the team at the minute I think are boring I don't think there's much personality there to be honest like that with the banter but I can tell you this like I've done, done an advert for Lavazza Coffee at the ground and it was with um, Virgil van Dijk Daniel Sturridge and Dejan Lovren a couple of years ago it was a week after Sturridge scored the screamer against Chelsea oh yeah and um, I was there and there was two more actors with me and we were doing this advert and there was a little break in, like, filming. And one of the lads that I was with walked over to Van Dyke and said, um, how much are you getting paid to do this? And Van Dyke just looked at him and said, more than you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say him, probably, do you know what I mean? But obviously, like, you've got Andy Robinson, he looks like a laugh. Yeah. So that, I don't think there's much personality there, because there's a lot, of, a lot of foreign players as well, isn't there, in Liverpool's team? And Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to see where the banter comes from. I don't think Trent Alexander Arnold's got much of him, to be honest. That's someone I'd love to go for a bevy with, do you know what I mean? Okay. So even Salah hasn't got any banter. Salah is yeah. doesn't look like does he? He's a great player. Shows money. But he don't look like they've got much banter about him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you just watch them, you just you just watch and say, Where's the personality? You don't see them doing it. It's only like Robbo who you see on social media. Yeah. I think James Milner is very dry and I always find that amusing. He's okay. always got a little one-liner about him and he, he looks like he'd take this, but he just looks like that's just him, that's just him. Nasty. He's not trying to be funny, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What's his... Uh, he's got like a funny Twitter handle, hasn't it? Is it something like the boring James Milner or something? It, yeah, it's a, it's a fake profile, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, someone's yeah. made it up and like they say, they say like, just went downstairs and got some toast. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like trying to say how dry he is. <laughs> I've been following him and I thought it was him. I thought, oh, yeah, he really is. It's really funny no, what it is. No, I, yeah. yeah, I know what you're on about. It is funny, but it's not It's not him. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, oh, there we go. Um, so... Can you think about a funny chant that you've heard at Liverpool? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take credit for one of my own chants that I started here. By all means. Uh, Torres just left us for Chelsea and we played them. I don't know whether it's the day or two later. 
and we were at Stamford Bridge and I had the away end full, just out there singing it. It sounded beautiful because the Chelsea fans weren't singing and um, they all started singing, has John Terry shagged your wife to Fernando Torres? And I was just like, I was so proud that I started that chance and I'll never let that go. The only other one as well was um, we were at Norwich and at the time Suarez weren't getting many like pen. He was always going down but never getting a pen. Yeah. And um, Liverpool at the time was singing this chance about Margaret Thatcher when Margaret Thatcher's eyes were all having a party. Oh, yeah. So I started singing, um, we're going to have a party, going to have a party. And as it got to that bit, my brother went, when Suarez gets a pen. And it went on for so long. I think it went on for about four months until Suarez next got a penalty. But everyone was singing it. And I, like that was pretty funny for us. Like, I'm trying to think, he, there was a time when he, he used to win a lot of pens. Yeah, he, he went a long time without getting one. And then it was actually Stoke away that he got one. And I think we won the game like 4-0 or something like that. But it was it was <laughs> there was a party. <laughs> wow. So you come out with some original chances, not just yeah, I, I, we, obviously we sing so we try and start a few and we're at the away game. We just speak our minds. They don't always go down well, but the only time that you get one kicking off, it's good, isn't it? Good feeling. Exactly. And then you're always trying you're trying to say your mates, I started and I'm like fuck off. No, you never <laughs> So can you think about your funniest manager? Got to be Jürgen, hasn't he? Yeah. He's just, he's just Jürgen, isn't he? He's, you know, I, I know he comes out sometimes with some crazy excuses about the pitch was too wet and the wind was in our face and the girl and Rose had the tits out and all that, but <laughs> he's um, he is a funny manager. I think his facial expressions alone are just... And you see him on the touchline, like... Do you know what I mean? He's he's just funny. He's just a funny guy. Sometimes he's asked silly questions in interviews, and he's just like, "Are you on about?" Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't think there'd be much competition for that, really. Um, no, I mean, I was always a fan of Mourinho, but it got a bit boring for me. Yeah, and um, I think you know he is a naturally funny guy, isn't he? I think he's. He's, he's a personality and he comes out with what he wants, yeah. what he thinks, um, but he's just got that kind of persona, hasn't he, that he, he can make you smile. Yeah. Um, I think um, Harry Redknapp is very funny. I don't know whether you've read Harry Redknapp's book. It's something I've, I've, I've gave I gave his book a read and he tells a story in there about um, who was he the manager of? I think it was Bournemouth. I think it was, I think it was Bournemouth, and he went and scouted this player, and um, one of his staff said, you need to sign him, you need to sign him. He's from like a lower league division and stuff like that, and he, Harry went and had a look and weren't too keen on him, but he took his um, staff's word on it. Yeah. He brought the lad, and he was dog shit, just didn't fit into Bournemouth's play or nothing like that. And then the player went in to see Harry and said, boss, I've got a mate there who's asking for a trial, will you give him a trial, like... And Harry went, what position does he play when he's a striker? And Harry says to him, is he better than you? He says, I wouldn't say that, like. And he says, well, tell him to fuck off. <laughs> so the player went back to him two weeks later and went, about me, mate, sorry, I've got the fucking ice cream man going past here. Fuck off. <laughs> the player went back in to see him two weeks later. Do you want me to let that finish? <laughs> it's, not, it's not your own thing, is it? 
All right, okay. So yeah, the player goes in to see Harry Redknapp two weeks later and says, "Oh, my mate's got a trial there at Crystal Palace. The one I was telling you about. Give him a watch on the weekend." Yeah. So Harry went, "All right." So it was only fucking Ian Wright. <laughs> oh no! It's <laughs> <laughs> holding some fuck up. I think that's one of the funniest stories I've heard. But he's a he's a great laugh, Harry. If you read his book, there's loads of funny stories in his book. Right. I think he's been, he was on the uh, the jungle and all that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So in terms of uh, fans, so fans yeah. you might have seen sort of go in the game. There might be fans that you see sort of quite regularly. And yeah. there's a lot of competition for this book. Can you tell me about your funniest fan? There's a there's a guy who I actually used to go to game with. His name was Pav. It's, his name's Paul, but he looked like Pavarotti. He was just okay. fat and facial features and everything. At one point, he was just so it was Pav. And we went everywhere. We went across Europe and home and away, wherever Pav. And he dealt with all the tickets. He get everyone's tickets and all that. He was just in charge of everything, planning it and how much this week and all that. Some of the shit we get in with him, he was just so funny. Um, I remember this time we were coming out of um, Ewood Park. Liverpool had just beat Blackburn 3-2. We went, we'd gone down to, we were 2 0 up. We'd gone down to 10 men. Blackburn got it back to 2-2. And then Andy Carroll scored the winner in the last minute. And we came out of Ewood Park and we were surrounded by Blackburn fans. And there was only six of us. We'd got away from like the Liverpool pack. Surrounded by Blackburn fans. And Pav starts singing, what do you do when it's 12 feet 10? You win 3-2 at Blackburn, right? And he just turned on us. It was just... We just we, luckily enough, one of the lads clocked like a group of coppers by this bar and we, we sort of saved our ass a bit because they all just turned on us. But it used to get us in so much shit. We were um, driving through... I think it was... We were going through... France or Germany? No, sorry, we were, going to, we were going to Switzerland. I think we must have been playing ball or something like that. And the traffic lights over there, if your tyres go over the line, yeah, it's not even like a waiting like in, in England or not like that. If the tyres touch the line, if the lights are on, the camera flashes. So it's flying down this road and last minute he sees it's a red light and he slams on but the car keeps going and his wheels just go over the line and it flashes and he goes, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> So then we laugh it off and that, and about 15 minutes later, flying down another road, brakes again, the car just goes, flashes again, oh, for fuck's sake, and it kept going on. It just kept happening for about an hour, he must have been looking about 500 euros worth of fans. But he just got us in so much shit, he'd like, he's not arsed, he was always the driver, and he to avoid sitting in like traffic. You drive up one-way streets and over people's back gardens and everything. He just didn't care. He's really funny, but he's come out with great shouts at the match as well and that. And hates referees. Fucking hates referees. He once ran from the top. There's another story I've just thought of as well. But he once ran from the top of the stand right the way down and started to... Um, he's trying to get on the pitch to kill fucking Howard Webb. He was fuming with him over a decision. But he was fucking... He's just nuts. Another story that's come to me at the bar, I'm sorry, I know I'm ranting on a bar of me, but yeah. we, were at, um, we were at Birmingham, and I don't know where, have you been to Birmingham, ever been there, Dear Grant? It can be, yeah, yeah. 
the, behind the away stands is the, they've got boxes for the home for, yeah. for home fans. Yeah. So we're we're all there, and obviously, like, there's a couple of little kids in the box and the pointing the pads and banging on the windows, saying "fucking fat, fat" and all that. Pabs, he lets it go for a little bit, but then some of the adults started joining in. So Pabs fucking there, punching fuck out of the window, trying to break into this box, <laughs> gets himself fucking dragged out of the ground and all that. He's just a fucking nutcase, but he's so he's so much fun. I could go on. I've got more stories about him. He's just a genius. Yeah, carry on. Um, like we were, we were going to the um, Liverpool playing him. But again, sorry. The Pavs podcast. Oh, Pavs, mate. He could write a book, you know. And he, I mean, you're talking about fifty-five to sixty-year-old fella. He's been following the Reds all his life. He's always said that, like, he put football over like the chance of having a bed and all that. He just lives football. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Um, we were going to the semi-final. The FA Cup, Liverpool playing Everton at Wembley. But we drove up the night before and we were going to stay at a travel lodge on the M1. Yeah. So yeah. we get up there and he missed the turning for the travel lodge and slams on in the first lane of the motorway and starts kicking off at the passenger Stewie, <laughs> saying, You were meant to fucking tell me when the turn was coming up. So they're arguing. I mean, me mate Jay are like in the back of the car looking at each other. And then we look behind us and all you can see is this fucking lorry coming towards us. We're like, bah, fucking go, go. He just slams <laughs> on and stopped in the middle of the first lane. It's like, he's actually nuts. He's lost the plot. We used to do like little quizzes and stuff like that. And he was asked a question one day. He's very knowledgeable, like. Yeah. And he, he was asked a question one day. Again, he's driving. Fucking hell. Another story just popped up as well. This is what it's like going the game with him. So um, he gets asked a question in this quiz and uh, he's, he's thinking about the answer and we're like, come on, mate, give us an answer. And he goes, no. So he's driving and then he goes, I know, he covers his eyes. He's going, I know this one. I know this one. fucking 80 down the motorway and he's going, I know it, I know it, I know it. I was like, what are you fucking doing? But um, the last one I'll tell you about him, sorry, I know I've ranted on about Pavi, but he deserves this. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, the same, the same journey as we were driving up. We just got past Birmingham, and um, but on the way up, we always have a little bevy and stuff like that. And I was like, "Give me one." I was like, "No, you're driving, do you know what I mean?" And he's like, "No, you've got to give me one." So I went, right, all right, we'll give him one, but don't fucking let anyone see you, do you know what I mean? So um, he's there and he's swigging it. Bottles of fucking bud or something we had, and this car kept driving past us, slowing down. And then coming back, and it just kept happening for a bit. And um, then they started taking pictures. So we were like, they're probably fucking telling the coppers them, do you know what I mean? So we pulled up at the services, Pav had a coffee, and he had, he'd, had, he'd actually had like one or two bottles. We don't know why. We'd, we'd had a few, and just somewhere he'd managed to get hold of another one. He'd had a couple of bottles. And um, he stops. He has a coffee. We have something to eat, and then we kept going. Five minutes back onto the uh, the M1, and we get flashed by this unmarked Subaru. So they come to the car and they go, "Driver, um, we've had we've had reports that there's four gentlemen drinking cans of ale in this car." And Pav goes, "Well, that's a fucking lie because we're drinking bottles." They <laughs> 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 get him, they get him out the car, put him in the back of the police car. We're sat there thinking, "Fucking hell!" Like we've all had a drink, none of us can drive to the. The final destination, 
we're going to fucking miss the game tomorrow, do you? Do you know what I mean? We're all fucking sat there thinking, what are we going to do? Anyway, meantime, in the back of the car, he blows a zero on the breathalyzer. A zero. Not even like a one or a two. He blew a zero. And then get had the cheek to ask them if the end of the M1 was open. And then gets out and starts going like that on the end of the foot. <laughs> starts celebrating like doing the hit airplane fucking celebration. I was like, the fella is fucking nuts, mate. Absolutely nuts. <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of me rant so far. I'm sorry, guy. <laughs> Bit of a character, what can we say? Oh, mate. Um, just, that's, only, that's only half of the stories we can tell you, mate. He's, he's just constantly at it. He's nuts. <laughs> okay. So, but definitely somebody uh, not to get in a car with. Um, yeah, 100%. I'm glad to drive. I'm, I'm glad to drive myself now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, get the train or something, you know. Um, something I actually said to me, mate. Yeah, I said to him, funny enough, the other day, like, how many times did Pav actually nearly kill us? And every week we still got in his car. It didn't matter because he was the driver, do you know what I mean? It didn't matter where we were going, Norwich, Redden, anywhere. We were just going. And we were just in the back of the car with this lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> and you still live to sell the tail. Just yeah. about. All right. Um, so, um, and this might involve Pav. It, it might do. Um, I think I suspect it might do. Um, can you think about your funniest ever away day and a, a story about that? Um, in sense of actually being at the match or like the whole day? The, the whole day, really. The whole day, yeah. We went to the um, we went to the Champions League final in two thousand and seven in Athens. Yeah, I know we lost it. That was probably. Do you know what? Going back to your question before, that was probably the most guttering. Mm. That was worse than Paul Koncheski signing for Liverpool because it was the Champions League final I've been to. Um, we lost it to Milan 2-1 and that was like the most depressing <laughs> moment ever. But through the day, it was great. And um, Pav, we woke up that morning and it was me and my uncle, Pav, and some lad called Mark stayed in a different room to us. So my uncle goes, go and wake them up. Someone knocks on the door and Pav answers. And Pav's a big guy, yeah. Big guy. Very big. At the, at the time, I think he's lost a lot of weight now. At the time, he's big. And he stood there in just this blue thong. I'm a fucking 14-year-old lad. 15-year-old <laughs> lad, something like that. I should not be looking at this man. Stood there in just a blue thong. Alan is sat on the bed. He's looking at me like, why have I got to stay in this room with him? <laughs> Uh, but the whole day was funny. The train journey to the ground and everything, like he, because he was a big lad, he missed he missed the train that we got on. Yeah. So yeah. a couple of stops later, we thought, oh, we'll get off and wait for him on the next train. But he thought that we'd stayed on the other train, so we got off and we phoned him, and we're saying, um, like, where are you? You never made the train. He's like, you fucking got off from me, and he's fuming. But we can see him now because we're on the same train, but he doesn't know we're on it. Fucking fuming, just a fucking eyelashes and all that. You've got my ticket. And my uncle's winding him up saying, No, we're gonna sell you a ticket. Yeah, there's a lad here who's offered us all sorts of dough. So and he's fuck off, you're not selling my ticket and all that. Um, and then my uncle, after a bit, my uncle says, Hey, do you know that, that bird in front of you? Cracking little rack, hasn't she? You know what I mean? He said, You fucking knobheads. <laughs> Kicked off on us. Any time you go to an away game with Pab, you just seem to be in stitches. It doesn't matter. I'd say the Blackburn incident was funny. Um, outside Man City, he'd done something similar. 
we were at Manchester City and he started shouting off the top of his fucking voice, your fucking club has only been here since 2008 and all that. It was just like the amount of times he's nearly got our heads kicked in. <laughs> just he yeah, just, just probably just took it right up to the limit, didn't he? Uh, but sounds like a character. So yeah, hope, hopefully he's listening to this. And uh, but that, that's the thing about him as well. He's like he's um, he's very superstitious. He'll only wear the blue. He'll only wear this certain blue shirt to the match. He's got to have his earphone in his left ear. He's got to st- if there's six years at the game together, he's got to stand at the very end of the six years. He's really superstitious. This mad. He's got all these superstitions that he's picked up over the years. And yeah, fucking, he's such a character, mate. But some of the best times of my like going to watch the Reds have been with him. So I've got to give him his credit. You know what I mean? Good stuff. Good stuff. So uh, yeah. So Pav, if you're out there, um, some great stories. <laughs> And uh, yeah, hopefully you can keep them coming um, when we get back in the stadiums next season. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. All right. Um, okay. So thinking about um, your comedy sort of coming up, I know we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, yeah. um, but um, where, what sort of uh, what shows have you got coming up, Dean? Um, so I'm taking part in so you so you think you're funny. That's a competition. Yeah. The heat that this was meant to be last year, but obviously it got delayed. And um, that's May seventeenth. The end of May, I've also got the frog and bucket. I'm going to try and beat the frog because I've never managed to yet. Right. Um, yeah. I've got my own gigs. Obviously, at Connect Studios coming up. I'll be hosting them, and I think there's one in Walton that I'm doing as well. So there's bits and bobs out there that seem to be getting a bit more, and I can't wait. Have you got any booked in yourself, Kai? I've got uh, just this week. I've got um, well, I'm I'm based down in London. Uh, yeah. There is one called the Back Back. It's actually a pub called the Back Back. Right. Okay. They do like a in East London, so they've got like a beer garden. Where they, they have a bit of a, a comedy show there. So I'm yeah, doing yeah. that. I think it's the uh, 6th of May. And I've got got some coming up uh, in Camden, uh, the Camden Cabaret. Um, so that's over sort of middle of Camden town. And there are two shows in June, one on a Sunday and one midweek. Uh, have you ever gigged in the Northwest? I haven't, no. No, no. I mean, I've only been I've only been doing comedy about the same time as you. Uh, yeah, I was a bit older, I think, than you. Definitely. Uh, that's something that I'm. That's something that I've always found interesting. Like, how would I go down with like a London audience, or yeah, even more northern than that, Birmingham? I haven't been to these places yet. So, I mean, if you're ever up to watch your um, beloved Tramia, mate, I'm more than happy to put you on a spot as well. Yeah, would love to. Would love to perform up there. Uh, yeah, I've done um, Zoom shows with a lot of Merseyside comics. Um, yeah. I do, well, there's one that I host called Ro- uh, Roller Coaster Comedy um, that I do. We've got our next show on Sunday. Uh, yeah. But there's uh, yeah, there's a few of the Merseyside comics we've had on that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think kind of you. I think you go down well. I think um, when I've seen. Merseyside acts perform in London. They, they tend to go go down well. I think the Londoners get Merseyside humour. 
right. I think there's that, that there is a bit of a kind of the Cockney, uh, the Cockney humour is 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 quite similar to Scouse, yeah. um, and they do go down well, definitely. And I think they like Northerners as well. Yeah, but I think I think you do well, and I think definitely with the crowd work as well. Yeah. Um, there's not as many there's not many comedians. I mean, I try and do a bit of it, but but generally people don't tend to do crowd work. Is it is it frowned upon or is it just a not one tries it? No, I don't think it's frowned upon. I just and I think that's the thing. I don't know. Have you ever kind of spent any time in London? <laughs> um, yeah, well, my brother used to live down there, so um, yeah. well, he, he was on the outskirts. He was like Walton on Thames, something like okay. that. Yeah, well, um, I've lived in London twenty years, and it's like the kind of um, the kind of. The default is that people like, I think just generally when people are out and about, so say if you're out in a pub or whatever, you don't really mix with people who aren't, who you're not with. But right, okay. it's just that, you know, like say if you're out in Liverpool. Yeah. You, can see you, you meet you friends in the beer garden, don't you, in Liverpool? <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of used to all that, but it doesn't happen as easy in London. But I think if you make the effort, People are okay with it. Yeah. I think it might be because, you know, there's a lot of people from different places and, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. But if you do make the effort and you speak to people, um, it, people do tend to kind of receive you quite well. And, you know, and I think definitely with crowd work, you know, when, when you do see people doing crowd work, yeah. uh, it tends to go down really well. Because people aren't used to it and they think, oh, wow, you know, um, they're kind of including us. Um, so, yeah, I think you do well. If you ever sort of come down, I can sort of point you in the right yeah. direction. Obviously, awesome. there's loads of shows on, but, you know, some are better than others and sort of better audiences and all that. Um, but, yeah, but, yeah, by all means, I'd, I'd love to do a show sort of in the northwest. <laughs> see how... As I said to you, if, if you're ever coming up to watch Tramir or anything like that or... You're passing through or got a gig local. If I've got something on the same time, mate, I'll have you on it, no problem. Great, great. Well, I'll give you a shout. All right. Um, so if people want to find you on social media, yeah. Uh, where do they find you, Dean? Where do they um, so my personal account is this is Aldridge. Um I've got Dean Aldridge Comedy on Facebook. Obviously, I spoke about the Friday night stuff before as well. That's all on there. Yeah, um, yeah that's where you can get me. I've got a Twitter, but I don't really use it. I just go on there to slag Piers Morgan off really. There you go. <laughs> what else is Twitter called? Okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so check out Friday night at Dean Aldridge and look out for him on social media. And uh, so some of these shows coming up, The Frog and Bucket, um, and what was the other one, Dean? You said um, Connect Studios. It is, mate. I just want to plug there. It might be of interest to you. Um, Friday night with Dean Aldridge. I've got Chris Kirkland coming on to do an episode in five weeks, six weeks from now. So probably not long after this goes out. So just to point you into that direction, it might be a nice interview for you to watch that. Exciting stuff. So uh, yeah, goalkeeper Chris Kirkland back in the day. Um, all right, well, it's been a pleasure to have you on, mate. Thank you, Guy.
And um, yeah, good luck with getting back to live comedy and good luck with the show. And yourself. Thank you, Guy. Take it easy, mate. All right. <laughs>